man, it must be hard to, to speak of it because um, they're so comfy. Very good. Well, um, I've known Raj and Sarah now for a long time. We actually went to school together. And I was thinking uh, yesterday that we're at the stage now in our lives that I've actually known him longer in my life than I haven't known him. So we are old. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying that we are old. And uh, yes, we've known each other for a very long time. So you have a really great leader here at this church, um, one of the smartest guys I know and also has one of the sharpest uh, wits and humor that I know. So you have a great leader here. So thanks for having me, Raj. I really appreciate it. Well, I want to talk this morning um, and just share a bit about uh, about life. And thanks, Tal, for... Um, I call her Tal. <laughs> um, thanks, Tal, for your worship, because it really kind of set off what I wanted to share with you this morning. Um, just about how life can be full of seasons. And, you know, we're heading into the fall season now, and I have two kids, and this is kind of our last weekend now before the uh, craziness of Tuesday morning hits, and you're back into school, and you're back into the rigmarole of fall, and everything's starting up again. And, and life can be, you know, times where things are just going great. You know, things are going your way. Bills are being paid. Kids are listening. Job is good. And then it can be times where it's discouraging and things aren't going quite the way you want it. And, and you know, we have to walk through this thing of life. And I just want to show you a little bit about my life. And um, sorry, I forgot that I'm controlling it here. And this is my family here. Um, so I have two boys. Actually, I have three if you count my husband because he's a big kid. <laughs> so my husband, Mark, and then beside him is my oldest, who's actually, it's his birthday today, and he's 15 today. And that's Curtis. And then beside him is my little guy who's going to be 12 in October, and that's Aaron. And I don't know if any of you know where this picture was taken. Does anybody know? <clears throat> Disney World, right. So this is Disney World, and Disney World has the saying of it being what? The happiest place on earth. So this was us in Disney World about three years ago, I think. And we went like right when the doors opened. Like, I wanted to get there. I wanted to get a good spot. I wanted to see all the parade. I wanted to see Mary Poppins and Mickey Mouse, and I wanted to see it all. And the boys were excited, and we got there at 8 o'clock or whatever time the gates opened. And I tell you, it really is the happiest place on earth when you arrive. Everybody's so happy. The sun is shining, Florida sun, and it, you know it's like November, so we're away from the cold, and, and uh, the boys are excited, and kids are all laughing, and everybody's high-fiving, and they've got the big Mickey Mouse hands, you know, waving at you. And it's just like, it's, it's utopia there when you get there. And our family, we had a blast. We went in, we got on every ride we wanted to do. I mean, we researched, we did the fast pass thing. We got on everything and it was fantastic. And then five o'clock hit. And at five o'clock, our youngest who had had lots of treats all day long, had asked if he could have one more thing. And, and we had reached our spending limit, and we said, nobody, we're done. Well, I don't know what it is about Disney and the word no, but the two don't seem to mix together. And he decided just to have, you know, a normal kid epic meltdown at 5 o'clock. And it was like, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, it was right up there at a 10. And um, that was a turning point. 
And the happiest place on earth all of a sudden turned into not quite so happy. And, and uh, we were frustrated and we were trying to get him calmed down. And we had done every ride we wanted to do. And we were like, so what are we going to do? We paid all this money. We're not going to leave. The fireworks start in another three hours. So we literally, everybody, all of us were spent. We were all exhausted. So we just found a curb and we sat on the curb and we waited until the parade started two hours later. And we all just relaxed and calmed down. And then we watched the fireworks. And one of the funniest parts of the happiest place on earth is when everybody's leaving. And it's usually about 10 o'clock at night. And you see kids are screaming. Moms and dads are exasperated. Kids are flailing. Everybody's exhausted. You still have the Mickey Mouse characters. They're all up there with their big Mickey Mouse hands, and they're waving at you with these big smiles on their faces. Come back to the happiest places on earth. And by that time, everybody's just wanting to get out. And so I don't know if you've been there, and it's, it is a wonderful place. But to me, it's kind of like a metaphor of life. You can have these great seasons where everything's going hunky-dory, and then all of a sudden, boom, Something happens. You get the phone call. You lose the job. You get the diagnosis. Something happens. And all of a sudden, this time of being on this high and feeling like life is great kind of goes down. And you're like, God, where are you? Where are you in this? There's a story in the Bible that's one of my favorite stories. And it's one that I read often. Because it's one that I have to remind myself of the character of God. I don't know if you're like that. I've been serving God now for basically my whole life. And I still have to remind myself constantly of who I live for. And that he's greater than whatever life dishes out to me at times. And it's a hard lesson to learn. And it seems to be a constant journey. And I think that's okay. I think that's part of what it means to serve God. Is that you're in a journey with him. And you're growing. And you're walking through the day-to-day of life. This story is in the Old Testament. And it's in 1 Kings. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. And we're going to read some passages. And I'm also just going to kind of summarize the story. And this is a story in 1 Kings. um, And I'm going to start by talking about verses 1 to 45. And it's about a prophet named Elijah. And Elijah was somebody who passionately loved God and did a lot for God. And um, he, was, he was living in this time where uh, the kingdoms were divided. Israel was divided. And there was a king named Ahab who was evil. And Ahab was married to Jezebel. And they were, they were like arresting, I guess, whatever the term was back in the old days. The prophets and people who loved God, the God of Israel. And uh, they were slaughtering them. And, and the Israelites were turning to different idols. And it was, not, it was not a good spiritual climate in the land at this time. And Elijah was getting frustrated. He was getting frustrated that the Israelites were falling into the same pattern of turning their backs on God when things wouldn't go their way. So when harvests wouldn't quite, you know, reap the way they wanted to, they would turn to gods, God of Baal, and they would turn to this God of Asherah, these idols, and they would put their trust into these idols that they thought would provide what they wanted in life. And it was turning the kingdom upside down, and the spiritual climate, like I said, was dying. And so Elijah was this messenger of God who was constantly trying to tell people to to get back to serving the one true God, the God of Israel. 
And uh, so this one time he had summoned the king Ahab. He told Ahab, he said, Ahab, we're going to see which God is the real God. Baal and, and Asherah's God or the God of Israel. So what I want you to do is gather all of the prophets together. The 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. And we're going to call out to our gods and we're going to see which one. Which one responds by fire to show us who the one and true only God is. And at this time, there was this great drought in the land. And, and people, they, they needed rain so desperately. And God had told Elijah that rain was going to come, that he was going to provide it. So anyways, Asherah, or Ahab, he gets the prophets together. And Elijah says to the prophets, okay, you choose a bull. Choose any bull you want. And what I want you to do is I want you to set up this altar, put the bull onto that altar, and then I want you to begin to cry out to your God and ask your God to show himself and to respond by fire. So the prophets of Baal did this. They got their, they got their bull and they put it onto the altar. And the Bible says that they began to cry out to the God of Baal, this false God, this idol, and nothing happened. And they were they were singing and dancing and crying out and shouting for hours and hours. And the Bible says how Elijah, he was actually taunting them, saying, come on, you must need to sing louder. You must need to dance, dance more funkier and get your God to listen. But nothing was happening. And finally, it got to the point where they just, they just stopped. And it was Elijah's turn. So Elijah, he just really wanted to show. He just really wanted them to see who the real God was. So he got them to give him a bull. And then he did something. He made this altar. And he took 12 stones, the Bible says, and he made this altar out of, tw- this altar out of 12 stones. And that's kind of significant because, you know, the tribes were made up of 12 tribes. And at this time, like I said, the kingdom was divided because the Israelites kept turning their back on God, kept, kept not living for him, and it destroyed the kingdom. So they were divided into these two kingdoms. And by him putting these 12 stones there, it was almost like him saying, you know what? We are the 12 tribes that God has appointed us, that God has created. It was almost like a bold uh, declaration with putting this altar together. He just had such boldness and courage. And this, uh, the bull went on there. And then he said, dig a trench around the altar. So they dig this, you know, they dug this, this huge trench. And they said, get four buckets of water and pour it over. So they did that. Do it again. They did it again. Do it a third time. And by that time, the whole trench was just filled with water. And then Elijah, he took his time, called up to God, and he said, God, show yourself to be true. When he said that, fire, miraculous, supernatural, spectacular fire consumed the bull, consumed the water around the altar, and people were just astounded. Wow, the God of Israel is the true God. The story didn't end there. Elijah actually had all the prophets of Baal. He took them, had them go down to a valley, and he had them slaughtered. Oh, man, he was on a high. Man, our God is good. He was victorious. He felt like celebrating. Life is grand. Life is great. You know, it's easy to celebrate God when things are going your way. He had this courage and this boldness and maybe even almost an arrogance saying, our God is awesome, and look how strong he is. And he was just on cloud nine. But then what happened? What happened is that Ahab, the king, he went to talk to Jezebel. Jezebel, 
was the queen, and she was evil. We've all heard stories about Jezebel and jokes about Jezebel. And when Jezebel had heard that all these prophets were slaughtered, she was livid, furious, because these prophets were kind of like her yes people. These prophets were the ones that she would go to and she would say, tell me about what's going to happen in the future. And they would feed her stories to give her more power and, and to justify the evil she was doing and to keep the, the, um, the agenda going of serving these false gods. She was wicked. She heard about what Elijah had done and she sent a message out to get to Elijah. Elijah, mark my words. You are going to be killed. You are going to die. I am going to make sure of it. So now Elijah, he hears that Jezebel and her army are after him. Elijah, this guy who was in this season of life where he felt like he had all, you know, everything was under control. And life's funny that way. You know, we can feel like, man, everything's under control. But then boom. And I don't know if you've ever had that, but it's like the wind gets knocked out of your sails. It's like your knees buckle from underneath you. And it's like, what am I going to do? I've been there before many times. I've been there before as somebody who's been in ministry for 20 years as a pastor. And sometimes people look at pastors and think, man, you guys got it all together. Uh Uh-uh. I've been there before where I felt like, man, I can, I can tell anybody about God because I truly believe this, man. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing miracles. I'm seeing God provide for us financially in ways that just don't make sense. Supernatural, exciting things. And then the next day, something happens, and I'm sitting there going, God, where are you? God, I give my life to serve you. Have you forgotten about me? And I feel despair. Elijah, at this point, He actually ran to hide. And the Bible says that he was so overcome, not even with just fear, but pure despair, that he said to God, God, it would be better if I would just die than have to face this. He got to a point where he saw this God, the one and only true God, do this miracle, this amazing thing, To the point where the only solution he felt at that moment, the only thing that he thought was his out, was that it would be better if he was just gone from this life. He felt that overwhelmed. I don't know if you've ever been to that place of feeling that level of overwhelm. And if you have, or you are today, I want you to hear. Because the thing is, is that this story happened thousands of years ago. But this God is the same God. And sometimes we look at the Bible and we, you know, it's easy to kind of chastise people and, and say, well, I can't believe that Elijah would do that. But here's the thing. He's human. He was human. And he was facing human emotion and human experience and human tragedy. And what we see in God's response is that God didn't say, Elijah, I just showed you how powerful I am. I just showed you how mighty I am. I trusted you to to speak to these people. And now you're doubting me. You know what, Elijah? You're done. 
I'm done with you. I, I, I just, I can't even handle, you know, I, sometimes we feel like God's that way, you know? Like we feel like we disappoint him. But you know what happened? That's not what happened. Elijah is in despair. He's hiding. And this is what happened. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, he ate and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. God was there for him. God provided him what he needed to have strength to continue on this journey in life and to face this time that was so overwhelming. And you know, God can provide for us too. When we come to settings like this and we, we worship together, when we spend time reading his word, that's our bread today. That's what gives us the strength today. Sometimes I've been at the point in life, and I don't know if this is you, where I'll read the Bible, and it's kind of like Charlie Brown. You know Charlie Brown with the teacher where it's like, wah, 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 you know? And I'm like, like, this is just words. And sometimes I have to choose I have to choose to look up a verse in the Bible or a verse that I know in my heart and verse that I've memorized. And I have to say it and I have to choose to believe it. I have to say, you know what, God, you've shown yourself before. And right now I'm discouraged and I'm feeling frustrated and I'm feeling despair. But I'm choosing to believe in this because I've seen your power before. Elijah could have rejected that food. He could have said, no way, but he chose to eat it. And by eating that food, he got the strength to continue on. He got the strength to be pulled out of that despair and to keep walking forward into the future, walking day by day in life. And then we see what happens next with Elijah. So he finds this cave, the Bible says, and then he kind of goes through this time where he's kind of feeling alone. Like he's kind of feeling like nobody really gets what he's going through. Nobody really gets what's going on. He's pulled out of the despair and instead of wanting to hide and be alone, he begins to complain about how he feels like he's the only one who's in this situation he's in. He's the only one who's remained true to God. He's lonely and he feels like no one else can relate to him. He feels like No one else has walked through what he's walking through. But part of the human experience is that we all walk through these difficult times. That's a common thread that has happened since the beginning of humanity. When sin entered our world, it's a broken world. And we're all going to have these times. And so Elijah, he's hiding in this cave. And and God says to him, he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. This is verse 18 in uh, chapter 19. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, 
And now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass you by. And then, sorry, I think I'm going a little too fast here. Sorry, I'll just read it. (laughs) And then it says, there was a great and powerful wind that tore through the mountains and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind there, after the wind there was before the Lord, oh, sorry, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. Just imagine this. (laughs) But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him second time, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah said the same thing. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And then the Lord says to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will be put to death, will put to death any who escape the sword of Israel. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. And here's the key. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal. And whose mouths have not kissed him. So here's what I see in this. I see that God said to Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah says, I'm the only one. And then God says, step out of the cave because the Lord's about to pass you by. And there's all this spectacular stuff going on. And you know, sometimes we kind of want the fire consuming the bull, the earthquake, the we, we want the spectacular and we think that God only speaks in those huge miraculous moments. And he does have those moments. We see that, but it's like God is saying, look for me in the ordinary. Look for me in the everyday. And you know, there's so much in our lives that is loud, that is distracting I don't know about you, but it's hard for me just to quiet my mind down sometimes because there's so much out there. Everywhere you look, there's things flashing and dashing. We're busy, 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 busy. Schedule, like everything's go, 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 go. And it's loud and it's busy. And sometimes I think we just need to learn to not look at the the big stuff and just push the distraction aside and just learn To hear God in the still, small voice. Learn to be able to just breathe and know that God is there in the ordinary. When you're walking down the street, God is there. When you're lying in your bed at night before you go to sleep, God is there. When you're sitting in your classroom and you're about to take a test and your anxiety level is going through the roof, God is there. And we just need to stop and breathe and know that we're not alone. 
But the second thing is that God says to Elisha, I hear what you're, Elijah, I hear what you're saying, but Elijah, there's 7,000, 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. He wasn't alone. He felt like he was alone, but he wasn't. He isolated himself, it seems, thinking he was the only one out there. And what this says to me is that God was saying, go back. It's not good to isolate ourselves. Because here's the thing. You need people, but guess what? He sent Elijah on a mission because people need you. People need you. Every single one of you here have something to offer. Something to offer for the kingdom. Something that God has given you that you can use to share to help in the kingdom. In the kingdom purposes. In the purpose of of making God greater in in his name greater and known. He's telling Elijah, you're not alone. And sometimes we can feel like that in life. We can feel like no one understands us. But here's the thing. God does. He is there walking through it with you. And when you choose to, to, to uh, live in company with others. By joining some sort of a small group. Or coming to church. Or getting involved in the kids ministry. I was a kids pastor for years. So when he said that. I just wanted to shut, stand up and show for Melissa. And say yes join. Do kids ministry. <laughs> when you give of yourself like that. People need you. Kids need you. Everyone, we have something to offer. So it goes both ways. Yes, we need people. We need to be within community. But the community needs you as well. There's things that God has, gifts in each one of you, purpose in you that God has for you. And if you are feeling alone or you are feeling isolated or you are feeling despair, sometimes, again, it's a choice. It's choosing to say, you know what, God, I'm going to step out. I'm going to try to fellowship with others. I'm going to try to be in community with others. And it's hard and it, it, it might even be painful at sometimes. But that's the way God has created us to be. We as humans, we have this innate thing in us to be in community with each other. God didn't say to Elijah, okay, stay alone in this cave. He said, no, go back. Go back and spread my message and find community amongst people who think like you, who are not bowing down. So when I read this story, for me, I'm always seem to be in different places in this story. I wish right now I could say it was at the beginning place. <laughs> you know, my life is great. But you know, like we sang this, and Italia was saying this morning, like life can be unpredictable and we could try to control things as much as we want. But in the end, we don't really have any control. Like, you know that, right? As much as we want to and we find comfort in that, we don't really have ultimate control because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But we can learn from this that there's something that all of us, we all can have that experience of knowing That life is going to bring ebbs and flows. Life is going to bring the good times and it's going to bring the difficult times because it's part of the human experience. And sometimes those difficult times can be like, you know, something that may seem difficult to us, but other people are looking at it going, it's really not that big a deal, but it's big to us. And sometimes they can be earth shattering, obviously tragic and horrible things. But the other commonality here 
the miracle that is thread throughout the Bible, through every story we read, and in this story, the miracle that is here for us today, thousands of years later, while we're sitting in a movie theater learning together, is that God wants to be in relationship with us. God, if we choose to give him control of our life, he'll walk through this journey with us. He won't leave us. He will provide the bread for us. He will provide what we need to have strength to keep going on. But we have to choose to take it. We have to choose to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe in your word. I'm going to stand on it. And it might be all that I've got left, but you haven't let me down before. I've seen your goodness. I've seen your power. So I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're here today and and God, this God thing is brand new to you and you're just exploring. Can I just encourage you today to keep exploring and keeping in a place like this where it's safe to explore and it's safe to ask questions and it's safe to to work out your faith and know that, that God loves you and that you're here for a reason. And if you're here today and life is going good, you know, like life is going pretty good right now. Can you just, you know, celebrate in that, but also be there to help people who maybe aren't in that season and also recognize who the giver of life is and recognize that ultimately he's in control and just keep surrendering to him saying, okay, God, how do you want me to use my life today? How do you want me to use my life today? God, show me. Maybe you're here today and you're in that season of despair Maybe something's going on that's just so overwhelming, so big. And like humanly, there just doesn't seem to be a solution. You just don't know what to do. Can you take some comfort from this story? That God, he won't leave you. And stand on his bread, stand on the word, stand on the Bible, stand on those promises, and choose to trust them, even if that's the only thing you have to left to go on. And maybe you're here today and you're kind of in a season where you feel alone. Maybe you're feeling bitter about something or you're upset about something or you're feeling misunderstood. And just know that's a normal human response. But know that you're not alone and that you can find fellowship with other people in a healthy environment here. In a place that's not going to feed toxicity, but it's going to... You know, let you share your truth and what you're going through, but help you walk through it. Does that make sense? Because, you know, there's some times where you can go places where you share and people just kind of keep digging you in the ground. You know what I mean? You need, you have fellowship here where you can share your truth and it's safe, but people are going to be alongside you to pray with you and to say, you're not alone and let's walk through this together. And I don't have the solution, but let's walk through this together. Let's trust in this God that we are choosing to serve and we're choosing to sing about today together. And just know that the same God who helped Elijah thousands of years ago is the same God today. He's the same God today. And he's not looking down at you. He's not saying, oh, you disappoint me so much. He's saying, take the bread. Take the drink, because this journey in life is too much to do without me. Let me be in control. Take it today, and let me me walk with you. 
So I hope that that gives you some encouragement. And just know that life is a day-by-day journey. And sometimes we have to wake up every day and say, like I grew up where you, I grew up in the era where you kind of just said a prayer to say, Jesus, you know, you're my best friend. And you became a Christian when you said this prayer kind of thing. You guys know what I mean? I don't know if you do, but. And, you know, I probably said that prayer probably 50 times as a kid just to make sure that I was going to get into heaven. But I'm learning that life with God is actually more just about a day-to-day surrender. And it's just choosing to wake up, choosing to say at the start of your day, saying, God, I'm choosing to trust in you today. I'm choosing to believe that you are in control today. I don't know what life is going to dish at me today, but I'm choosing to believe that you're bigger. And show me how you want me to live my life today. Those are easy words to say. They're not easy words to live all the time. They're not. But God is there to help us walk through it. So can I pray with you guys? So God, I just thank you for all these people here, God. God, I thank you um, for this church, God, that is really um, has, a, has just a vision and a mission to uh, walk in community together and to grow in you together, God. And God, I just pray that you will uh, bless the work that's happening at Uptown, God. And I pray for every person in this room today. God, you know exactly where everybody's at right now. And God, I pray for people who maybe are discouraged right now or maybe are feeling alone or feeling like uh, confused or just not knowing where you're at, God, that you'll just reassure them. Just like you breathed um, with Elijah, God, that they'll just feel you right now, God, and that they'll know, God, that you're with them, God. God, that they'll find strength in your word. God, they'll find strength in uh, remembering your faithfulness and ways in the past that you've helped them through things, God that you'll remind them of times, God, where maybe they didn't even realize it was you, but that you helped them through something. And God, I pray that you'll help us all to have eyes to see you in the ordinary, God. Help us to all have eyes just to see you in the everyday, God, as we're walking, to recognize when we, take, when we wake up and we take a breath, God, what a miracle that is, God. And to recognize that your hand is in that miracle, God, and just to see you in the everyday, God. And God, I just pray that um, you'll help us all just to keep walking out this journey of life, choosing to surrender to you and recognizing that at the end of the day, God, you are in control, that we, we don't have the control that we might think we have or feel we have, God, but we just relinquish that and we give it all to you, God. And God, that's a prayer that I have to pray every day, God, to choose to trust you, God. And I pray that you'll help everybody here, God, to continue to walk in that and to continue to choose to trust you and let you be in control, God, and uh, to walk under your, um, under your direction and God. So I pray that you will encourage spirits today, God, encourage hearts today, God, to know that you are with them, God, just like you were with Elijah, God, who faces great victory, but then went through these times of, of feeling, um, shattered and alone. You were with him through it all, God. And you're with us, God, in everything we face in life, God. And we thank you for that, God. And we celebrate you and your love. In Jesus' name, amen.